let us love one another, for love is from God, and those who love are born of God and know God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was displayed, in that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he, he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And when you think about that scripture, and that's from 1 John 4, let's hear from the newsboys as they sing, Jesus paid it all. Radio Church on 4CRM Mackay 107.5 FM. I'm Jeff Grant and today's message I've called The Disciples' Compassion. We, we talked some t- time ago about uh, our love for God, but this is different. This is uh, not so much love for God, but our compassion here on earth. But God's love is the most powerful force in all creation. What was the focus of Jesus' love or compassion while he lived on earth. What would you say it was? You know, he wept over the city of Jerusalem, Jesus did, that's in Luke 19.41, and he grieved for some of the towns of Palestine, that's in Luke 10.13. And he wept after Lazarus had died, and, and Jesus felt the grief of his two sisters, Mary and Martha, that's in John 11. He felt for lost people, 
in uh, Matthew 9.36, it says he was, he was moved with pity or, or he was moved with compassion. And, and this word means to suffer with someone. It's very similar to sympathy, but it's stronger, has a stronger meaning. And Luke alone records an episode in Jesus' ministry which perfectly illustrates Jesus' love and his compassion focus. <laughs> we remember that one of the marks of a disciple is love. And this message today is from the story of the Good Samaritan. I'd like to read to you from that first part of Luke 10, verses 25 to 29. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I've called this first section, Compassion Rationalized. Now he was a legal expert. And he was really posing the question, who am I actually responsible for? What, what are the limits of my compassion? Uh, but first, before he got to that, he wanted Jesus to confirm that he was spiritually justified and he was righteous before God. This man was proud of his standing and his, and his knowledge of God's laws. He, he knew all the doctrine, he knew all the theology, he was an expert. But he wanted to have a public ritual or rather a public affirmation of his goodness, his ritual goodness. And he wanted Jesus, the rabbi, this obviously a special prophet, to, to uh, affirm him. He also wanted to have a clear mind and a conscience about what he was not prepared to do, who he was not prepared to love, who he was not prepared to put himself out for. Jesus answered, you know, Jesus' answer would not have been very well received by this man and all the people around him. Um, but we'll get to that shortly. But you know, all through the centuries, compassion has not always been a powerful uh, mark of the church. Uh, in fact, the early Protestant missionaries of the 18th and 19th centuries were actually criticised by their leaders and their peers for wanting to go overseas to foreign countries like Japan, uh, China and India and tell people about Jesus Christ, about his death on the cross for our salvation. Now, you may remember a fellow named William Carey. He was, the, he was virtually the first Protestant missionary in the 18th century, and he was attending a very important meeting of, of uh, well, uh, leaders of his church, his denomination. And uh, one of them said, Young man, if God wants to save the heathen, he can do it himself. He doesn't need your help. Uh, that was a bit of misplaced theology, but also it de demonstrates a dreadful lack of compassion for the lost millions who had never heard of Jesus and his salvation. Some people have a problem even today when it comes to people overseas, or even people in our own country who've never heard of Christ. And it, it, it's, uh, it comes to a lack of compassion for foreigners, uh, where there's always a threat of what's called uh, universalism. There's a growing universalism that says, uh, somehow or other God will take care of those people. But that's not what the Bible tells us. In John 14, 6, for example, Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He made it very clear that he was the only way to God, the only name by which men may be saved. Earlier in John 3, 5, he said that unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It has to come from God. He opens our minds and our hearts to believe in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient to pay the penalty for our sins. And repentance and faith follows and the Holy Spirit will come into our heart. And Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, he said that you were all once separated from God. You were cut off from him and you had no hope. And we have to understand that people without the gospel, people who do not believe in Jesus, they're living uh, in darkness. They have no hope. They have no future. They've got nothing to look forward to. They just think the life, that life will come to an end. 
and that'll be the end of our existence, and they don't have any uh, peace and joy in this life compared to what a, a Bible-believing Christian has. Jesus commended this man, this lawyer, uh, this legalistic man, for the great law, uh, the great commandment that he quoted. Uh, and Jesus affirmed that love for our fellow man is a requirement of the faithful followers of Christ. How do you feel about that? How would you rate your compassion? Uh, do you rationalise your compassion when there's obviously a need and you think, oh no, someone else can take care of that or it's not my role or uh, I'm not, uh, that's not my gift? There's all kinds of reasons we give for not showing compassion. But let's pause for a moment. We're going to listen now to Jeff Bullock as he sings, Oh, the mercy of God. Here's Jeff Bullock.
hope you enjoy that song as I do. This is Jeff Grant on Radio Church Force Yarem Mackay, 107.5 FM. And I'm sharing a message with you I've called The Disciple's Compassion. And we've, we're looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. We've looked at the first section, which is entitled Compassion Rationalised. And now in the second part from Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 32, I've called this part Compassion Suppressed. Here's the reading. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Compassion suppressed. You know, dear ones, there's three groups in this little section, these three verses. There's the robbers, there's the priest, and there's the Levite. Now, the robbers, the first group, had absolutely no compassion. These people had seared and hardened consciences, and they had no trace of feelings for anyone. In fact, it seems to me, I don't know about what you think, but it seems to me that the beating was surely unnecessary. It said they stripped him of his clothes. They already got his clothes and everything that went with it, and then they beat him. And they went away, leaving him half dead. It's terribly unnecessary to beat the men after they'd robbed him. Uh, these two thieves that were surely to be crucified later with Christ were men just like this. Men without a conscience, men who'd spent their whole life of robbing and harming other people. But now, two very different people passed by, and they were ritually righteous. Both would have become ritually unclean by helping this man because he was probably covered in dust and he was certainly bleeding. Uh, he may have been unconscious or he may have been crying out. But neither man saw him with compassion. They both saw him, but there was no compassion when they saw him. They didn't want to know his needs. They didn't want to know what was necessary to help him. They didn't want him to get back on his feet. They didn't want to restore him to his family or his loved ones. They were busy. They had their ministries and their, and their congregational work. They were on their way somewhere. Don't stop me. I've got an important job. It's almost like they're saying, uh, God has called me to a situation where I'm needed, I'm wanted, I'm expected, I'm approved, I'm proud of what I do, and I haven't got time to help this man. Most likely these clerics felt that they were a class above, or they were separate from others. You know, they already felt this way towards non-Jews, Gentiles. And they also believe, as Jesus knew from his many encounters with these kinds of people, that they alone fully understood the law and had access to God. Uh, much like this lawyer Jesus was addressing. It's possible today, beloved, and very unchristian, that some churchgoers feel just like these clerics did. And helping this person who is all bloody and dirty is just beneath me. It's someone else's responsibility. He got himself into this predicament. It has nothing to do with me. I should point out here a bit of a fallacy about foreign and non-Christian people. Not that this man was foreigner, but it's the way some people think today. That uh, somehow or other, God will take care of the, the people overseas. But in Romans 12, uh, about 14 and 16, Paul points out that Gentiles actually know right and wrong. They know what sin is. In fact, a missionary uh, once asked a, uh, a head man in a village who had never had any contact with white people before, he was able to somehow communicate to him. And he, he asked, can you explain what is wrong, what is right and wrong, what are, the, what are the sins? And this man, this head of this village said, well, adultery, theft, murder and witchcraft. Wow. So this, this man way out in the bush country person, he understood what sin was. Isn't that amazing? In Romans 10, Paul writes that everyone needs to call on the name of the Lord. Everyone. And Jesus said, as I mentioned before, he said, I'm the only way. I'm the truth, the way and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We all need to have a compassion for lost people, people near us and people very far away. Unlike these two religious people. 
In Revelation 7, 9, it says that a great crowd from every nation, tribe and language was there present in heaven. And the cross of Jesus led to that. Because when we look at Jesus Christ on the cross and believe that he paid the penalty for our sin, our only recourse, our only natural response is to repent of our own sins and cry to Jesus Christ to have mercy on us, that our sins might be forgiven and washed away and we might be included in his godly family. There's a dreadful risk in suppressing one's compassion. That can lead on to a state of indifference to all people's material and spiritual needs. When we act on our compassion and our spiritual impulse to reach out to another in their material and spiritual needs, we are actually completing the mission of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus still looks at the people of this world, those who don't know him, with the same pity and compassion he did when he lived on the earth. Isn't that wonderful? Let's pause for a moment while we hear from Matt Redman and he's going to sing for us the heart of worship. Here's Matt Redman. When the music fades All is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to
SCRM Mackay, 107.5 FM. Jeff Grant here, and I'm sharing with you a message I've called The Disciples' Compassion. We've looked at the first two parts of this message from Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. We've looked at compassion rationalised, that was the lawyer who was, who was questioning Jesus. And then we looked at compassion suppressed, the priest, the Levite, and definitely the robbers who suppressed their compassion. Now let's look at compassion at work. Verses 33 to 36 in Luke chapter 10. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Compassionate work. The foreigner. The robbed and injured man was a Jew. This new passerby, he was a stranger and he was a Samaritan. The Jews regarded Samaritans as half-breeds. They didn't worship the God uh, of Abraham, their God, perfectly. They had a flawed view of who God was and what he was like. They didn't use the same parts of the Old Testament that the uh, the proper Jews used. Uh, There was a terrible distinction. In fact, uh, Jewish people would avoid at all cost uh, going through the area of Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee. You had to take a sort of a roundabout trip via the Jordan Valley uh, and avoid Samaria. But Jesus didn't. Remember, he walked, he went right through uh, the Samaritan area. But this man, even though he realized that the wounded, half dead man would have despised him, would have hated him would have been contemptible towards him. He felt sorry and pity for him. And he acted. He took responsibility. He didn't uh, rationalise. He didn't suppress. He saw someone in desperate need. There was no one else around to help. And he he did it. He said, I'll take care of this. But he he went even beyond merely rescuing the man. It says he, he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil put in wine, some sort of, somehow that might have been an antiseptic process. Uh, But then he put him on his donkey. He interrupted his own journey. He spent time. He was was obviously put out. um, And uh, he took all steps necessary for this man's full recovery. He was moved by compassion. Dewan's compassion without action his only sentiment. What this man did was he uh, he took him to an inn. He found somewhere that would be would be able to look after him while he took care of his business. Uh, but he was there overnight. The next day he took out two days' wages to the Nari, gave them to the innkeeper, and uh, made a deal with him, a contract. Look after him. When I come, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Wow. You know, there are three essentials for compassion. We need an eye to see people's uh, material and spiritual needs. We need to look at a world crowded, helpless and shepherdless. When we see people on the street, uh, especially when there's a crowd walking along or even when we're driving our car uh, during the the short uh, commute times we have here in Mackay, uh, uh, all these people, the vast majority, are lost. They're cut off from the kingdom of God. They just don't know. We need to have compassion and pray and ask God for opportunities to to share our faith, to reach out to them. Uh, We can't leave it to other people, the the experts. We can't leave it to the evangelists or pastors. Uh, God gives us all a requirement to be witnesses to what he's done for us. In fact, if Jesus had saved us, we have no excuse but, but to share that with other people and tell them what God has done. It doesn't matter what they say or how they respond. We need 
those three things. Uh, and I just see, uh, see the world is crowded, helpless and shepherdless without hope. And we need a heart to feel with a hand to perform. And Jesus' conclusion to this lovely story is, you go and do as he did. He says that to me. And dear ones, he says that to you. You see someone in need, someone who's, who's, who can't, can't afford their next meal or can't pay the electricity bill, or, or and you know they don't know Jesus Christ. God has put you in a relationship, a contact with these people, and it's up to us to, to offer them help. The very least we can say is, uh, I'll give you what I can, and can I pray for you? Wow, that really uh, gets people's attention when we do that. I want to leave you with a short couplet about our nature of compassion. Willing to go, but planning to stay. Planning to go, but willing to stay. All too few are both willing, planning, and actively going. But we are called by God to compassion. It says in Matthew 9.37, When Jesus saw the crowds... He had compassion. He felt pity for them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Call out to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out labors into the harvest. And brothers and sisters, that includes you and me. And now we've got two songs for you from Robin Mark and Stuart Townsend. What the Lord has done for me, and in Christ alone, my hope is found. Here they are.
Let the poor say I am rich Let the blind say I can see It's what the Lord has done Listening to Radio Church on 4CRM, presented by Pastor Jeff Grant from the Uniting Church at Serena.
come to the end of our radio church service on 4 CRM Mackay 107.5 FM. I'm Jeff Grant, and here's the Jude 24 doxology. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And now, beloved, we close with a final song of praise from Matt Redman. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Goodbye until we come together again. God bless you. Mm-hmm.